0: Lord, I just want to thank you for just the incredible people who serve our beautiful children. Lord, we just pray for them this morning as they go out and do all the things that they have prepared. But most of all, we just pray for their beautiful faiths that are developing. We pray for our leaders. We pray for just the conversations that they have. And Lord, we pray too that you'll put it on the heart of of those of us here to also step up and help in this way. This is such important ministry. Lord, they are the future of our church and we're just so honoured to be able to lead them in this way. So we commit that to you, Lord, and we also commit our time now to you. As we continue to look into the book of James, we just commit our next time with you. Help us. Holy Spirit, speak to us. Prompt us. And we just thank you for these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Why don't we just watch the screens? Thanks, Julie. Happy Christmas.
1: It's okay. <laughs> Smile at them. It lets them know you're their friend. You're Big Mike, right? Well, I'm Sean. But everyone calls me Eshting. It's for Sean Jr. My father's name is Sean. Sean Tilly? He was a basketball star at Ole Miss, point guard. Now he owns like a million Taco Bells. <phone rings> Manana. Who is that, SJ? Big Mike. Don't double condition in the shower. You have homework. I'm going over to Candace to study. SJ, SJ, do not go in the girls' locker room again. Come here, SJ, I'm here. What's his name again? Big Mike. Where is he going? Hey, Big Mike. Where you headed? Jim. Go ahead. Turn around.
0: My name's Leanne Tui. My kids go to Wingate.
1: You said you were going to the gym. School gym's closed. Why were you going to the gym? Big Mike, why were you going to the gym? Because it, it's warm. Do you have any place to stay tonight? Don't
0: you dare lie to me.
1: that look many times she's about to get her away. Come, come on over here you have a
0: desk chest of drawers you have a nightstand a light an alarm oh and sean says all the pro athletes use futons if they can't find a bed big
1: enough so i got you one of those of course the frame was heinous it's not about to let that in my house but i got you something nicer it's mine Yes, sir. What? Never had one before. What, a room to yourself? A bed.
0: Well, you have one now. Movie before. Excellent. I'm glad a lot of you have. If you haven't, I highly recommend it. The, it's the true story, based on a true story of Leanne and Sean Tuohy, who adopt 17-year-old Michael Orr into their family, ending his life of extreme poverty and violence. Uh, he goes on to play in the American NFL in 2009, and I've got a photo here of of real Michael and his real family, and uh, uh, it's an incredible story. And I've chosen that this morning because it is the epitome of a passage that we're going to read about this morning as we explore the next chapter in our "Don't Just Sit There" series. It's a series that we started last week where we're going to explore the whole book of James, so the New Testament book of James and uh, this series is about doing something with our faith because of our faith and so hopefully you've begun to read the book of James. Uh, Troy encouraged us to do that last week as he looked at chapter one. This week we're looking at chapter two so I really hope that you are going to be able to read along with us as we do that. So last week, as I said, Troy started um, in chapter one, and what he talked about was the way in which we can deal with the trials and suffering that... Um, comes into our life. That's how James starts that book. And this week in chapter 2, if you've actually got your Bibles with you or in whatever form, paper or digital, if you want to actually grab those because we're going to be reading a fair um, chunk of James chapter 2. We can't do all of it today, but I've kind of divided James chapter 2 into two parts. Part 1 is verses 1 to 13, which we won't talk about. But then we're going to talk about um, James uh, chapter 2 verses 14 through to 25. That's the part that we're going to talk about. But to give you some context in that, in in the start of James chapter 2, he talks about the need for us to avoid favoritism. He talks about the need for us to make sure we don't Um, discriminate against people and and ignore people that we don't kind of value and give all our time and attention to people that we do. And he talks about the way that we'll often do that because of very superficial things like popularity, like status, like money, all those kind of things. And James is actually concerned about that happening within the church. And so he speaks really strongly about that in the beginning of chapter 2 encouraging all of us to show empathy to everybody, to care for everybody, to show justice, to show love, compassion and grace to everybody. And then he goes into the part of James chapter 2 that we're going to read about this morning. So if you've got your Bibles there, I'm going to have it up on the screen, but I want to read all of it to you. I know it's a bit more than we normally read, but I want you to hear everything that he has to say here. So I'm reading from... James chapter 2, I'm reading from verse 14 right to the end of this chapter. So it says, what good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say that you have faith, but you don't show it by your actions? Can that kind of faith save anyone? Suppose you see a brother or sister who has no food or clothing and you say goodbye, have a good day, stay warm, eat well, but then you don't give that person any food His actions made his faith complete and so it happened just as the scriptures say. Abraham believed God and God counted him as righteous because of his faith. He was even called the friend of God. So you see, we are shown to be right with God by what we do, not by faith alone. Rahab the prostitute is another example. She was shown to be right with God by her actions when she hid those messengers and sent them safely away by a different road. Just as the body is dead without breath, so also our faith is dead without good works. There is so much there, isn't there? Huge. We could do five weeks just on that half of a chapter. Unfortunately, we have to do all of that today. And so I've picked out just a couple of verses here, a couple of key verses, verses 14 through to 17. And they're so important that I'm going to actually read them to you again. What good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say that you have faith, but you do not show it by your actions? Can that kind of faith save anyone? Suppose you see a brother or sister who has no food or clothing and you say goodbye, have a good day, stay warm, eat well, and then you don't give that person any food or clothing. What good does that do? So you see faith by itself isn't enough unless it produces, and that's a really important word this morning, unless it produces good deeds, it is dead and it is useless. Now, as we start looking at this this morning, I want to say one thing at the outset. I want to make sure we're very, very clear on something. I want us to be really clear on what this verse does not say, what this passage does not say. This does not say we are saved by our good deeds. This doesn't say that we are saved by the things that we do. It's really important for us to know that right at the outset of this discussion, that nothing we can do earns us salvation in any way, shape, or form. The rest of Scripture is very clear about this. In Ephesians 2, verses 8 and 9, it says, For it is by grace that we are saved, through faith. It is not for ourselves; it is a gift of God, not by works so that nobody can boast. We cannot earn our salvation. We cannot work to earn it. We cannot do anything to save ourselves from our sin. It is a free gift. It is available to all of us. All we have to do is accept that free gift. Jesus' death on the cross paid the price of that free gift. However, once we have received that free gift... Our response to that free gift is what's important, and that's what James is talking about here. And I want you to think of it like this. Here's a photo of Troy and I on our wedding day. Look how dark his hair is. (laughs) I wasn't going to say that, but he brought it up this morning, didn't he? 27 years ago, on that day, in a rainforest chapel, we said words to one another. We gave each other a free gift, vows that we made through the words that we said, promises that we made till death do us part. Now, as wonderful as that day was, it was just a day. It was just a day. A wedding day is followed by a lifetime of marriage. And marriage is work. Do I hear an amen from anybody? Amen. Marriage is work, isn't it? Marriage is work. Can you imagine the state of our relationship if, after receiving the free gift of Troy's love and him receiving that free gift from me on our wedding day, that we then did nothing for the next 27 years in response to that? Nothing to demonstrate in real terms that we loved one another, that we were committed to the relationship, the relationship would absolutely have crumbled, wouldn't it? That's because the words that we said on that day had to be followed up with actions for the rest of our marriage. After the words of the vows have to come the work, and it is the work that we put into our relationships that demonstrate our love. Do you remember last week, Troy talked about the fact, and I'm sure you've heard this before, that love is not a feeling, love is an action. We love people through our actions that we demonstrate to them in various ways. I've got a whole lot of phrases on the screen here. I'm sure that you've either heard these or you've used these yourself. Don't just tell me that you love me, show me that you love me. Don't just tell me that you're sorry, show me that you're sorry. I used that a lot when Taylor was young. Don't just tell me you're sorry. Don't just tell me you're committed to something, show me that you're committed to something. It is this idea of show me that represents the works, the deeds that James talks about in this chapter. And if you remember that verse from Ephesians about that free gift of grace that we receive, that we can't earn in any way, look what is said in the very next verse. So first I read out to you, for it is by grace that we have been saved through faith and that this is not from ourselves, it is a free gift of God, not by works so that nobody can boast. But then the very next verse says, for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do so that we are not just sitting here which is what we're talking about in this series we are created for good works to bless other people to serve other people to make the lives of people in our world better but we are not saved by doing those works James goes on to give two examples, both of them from the Old Testament. First, he talks about Abraham, a man that, if we know that story, went to extreme levels of obedience. Then he talks about Rahab the prostitute, who through her actions, her partnership with God, changed the course of history for the ancient Israelites. Neither of them simply said that they believed in God. They demonstrated that through what they did. And we see the same thing in the clips that I showed you from the blind side. I wish I could just like we watched all the movie and then I talked to you this morning. Because these two were people of faith. Leanne and Sean were people of faith and their actions demonstrated that to the point where there was another clip in the movie where Leanne is sitting at lunch with her friends. All sharing the same faith and all of them flabbergasted at what she was doing. But there were three things that I tried to highlight in the clips that I chose from the movie, three things that they did that demonstrate for us what we are to do when it comes to the good deeds and works that God wants us to do as a demonstration of our faith. The first thing they did is they simply paid attention. They simply paid attention. Both Leanne and Sean at two different times noticed Big Mike In the midst of their very busy lives, they noticed him and not just fleetingly, but they noticed him, they paused, they took time to take in what they were seeing. The second thing they did was that they then listened and responded to that voice in their spirit that prompted them to do something. I call that the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit prompting us. To do something. And I don't know what he says to you, but most of the time he says to me, do something. Talk to that person. Do something for that person. Smile at that person. Message that person. Write to that person. Visit that person. Help in this way. I don't know about you, but I don't think I've ever... I don't ever remember the Holy Spirit telling me something that didn't require an action on my part. The Holy Spirit has never said to me, just sit quietly. Just Don't do anything. Maybe that's just for me. I'm, I, that's what I need to hear. But f- f- for me, promptings usually come in the form of get up. Don't just sit there. Get up and... I can profess that Jesus is my Lord and Saviour all day long. But if I'm ignoring the promptings of the Holy Spirit to go and do something to demonstrate that faith, then my faith is exactly what James describes. It is dead and it is useless. That's what we see in the life of Leanne and Sean here as they listened to that voice within them and they did something. But that wasn't the last thing they did. The last thing they did is that they continually put themselves out. They could simply have wound down that window that day and asked Mike if he was okay. That would have been doing something, but they didn't. They did more than that. And even that was more than everyone else did. I don't know if you noticed, but this wasn't the only car that passed Big Mike. But they not only wound down their window and asked him if he was okay, they then put themselves out by stopping, turning around, and coming back. Leanne put herself out as she got out of the car in the cold and went and had a conversation. They put themselves out as they took him home and gave him a a bed and a warm place for the night. They put themselves out as they pay for his college and his school and his tutors and, and then end up adopting him into the family, putting themselves out over and over again. Now, I am obviously not saying this morning that on your way home, as you drive past a random person taking their dog for a walk this morning, you don't need to take them home. You don't need to adopt them. don't need to do any of that kind of thing. But what I'm saying is that if we're going to walk this walk of faith instead of just talking about our faith, then we need to pay attention to who and what God is bringing into our paths. We need to listen to that prompting of the Holy Spirit and we need to be prepared to put ourselves out, not just once, but over and over again. And James warns us what will happen if we don't do that. Let me reread two verses in our passage this morning. First in verse 17, it says, So you see, faith by itself isn't enough. Unless it produces good deeds, it is dead and it is useless. And then down in verse 26, it says, Just as the body is dead without breath, so our faith is dead without good works. I don't know about you, but I do not want a dead faith. I don't want to have a lifeless, powerless faith. I want a faith that has an active element in it, one that is so much more about what I do than what I say, one that produces good work, one that produces good actions, good deeds, produces actions that are living embodiment, breathing embodiment. Of my faith. Because that then is exactly what I want us to have in our church as well. Because I don't know if you've noticed it, but our world needs people with living, breathing, active faith. Life transforming faith. Because how else are we going to fulfill the vision of our church? How else are we going to see Northwest Sydney be engaged and transformed with the faith, hope, and love of Jesus Christ? The vision that God has given us specifically as a church, we will not do that with dead faith. We will not do that if we simply just sit here. If we simply just sit here and kind of sing songs about God and talk about God, it's not going to happen. We are living in a really interesting time. I think it's a really interesting time to be a person of faith. And sometimes I think we're starting to get the tendency that we feel like we're alone and and that we're this minority. And in some ways we are. But in other ways we're not. There are a lot of people in the world today who profess faith. The problem is, as far as I see it, is I think the world is getting pretty sick of us only professing our faith. Professing faith with our mouths, but not demonstrating faith with our actions. I'm sure that you have noticed that we're living in a world that is crying out in pain. There is suffering absolutely everywhere, and yet too often all they hear Is our professions of faith with our mouths when what they need is our actions? In fact, to them, our actions are far more important than anything we will ever say. In our Connect group this week, I was reminded, one of the girls was sharing, I was reminded about the incredible work of the Salvation Army. You know, I've, I've never been part of that, but I have friends who have been part of it, family members part of it. And from my perception of the Salvation Army, they always act first and talk later. They feed people, they clothe people, they help people, they support people. All good deeds before they ever open their mouth and profess their faith. And I think that will always speak louder than words. I want to finish this morning with another video clip that I want to show you. That to me underscores this disconnect between faith that we profess and actions that we show. And before we show this clip, I just want to prepare you because it's actually very uncomfortable to watch and very confronting and I have hesitated all week to show you but I'm going to show it to you it's only 90 seconds it's hard to watch but it is going to speak powerfully of that disconnect as I said in a world where people easily say things about their faith yet it's the actions that are desperately needed. So this video, it's not a movie clip. Even though the movie clip I showed you was based on a true story, this is real life. This is a real man speaking about real events and real grief and devastation. And while it's not something we wrestle with in our country, we watch this happening all the time over and over again if we're paying attention. And to me, it's the epitome of faith without works without deeds, without action, where action is desperately needed. So, in a moment, I'm going to show you the um, testimony from a man named Brett Cross. And his son was a shooting victim in a school shooting in Uvalde in Texas. And he is testifying before his state legislature. And so, um, again, it'll be very hard to hear what he has to say but I think it's important what he has to say. Thanks, Julie. So, uh,
1: it's been a long day. Everybody got their pillows and blankets. First, I'd like to preface this by saying thank you so much to every member who has met and heard from us. This goes to the ones who refused and turned down our meetings that wanted to only offer thoughts and prayers. Thoughts and prayers. I'm so sick of hearing those three words from our elected officials. While your prayers may have comforted you, they did nothing to absolve our pain. While you may think about May 24th, we live it every single day. While you pray that your children grow up to be healthy and happy, contributing members of society, we pray that our children knew we were doing everything we could to get to them in that school to protect them. Your thoughts and prayers didn't stop an 18-year-old from purchasing two high-powered semi-automatic rifles and all of those rounds of ammunition. Your thoughts and prayers didn't stop us from having to bury our children and two teachers. Your thoughts and prayers do not help the children that survived that were injured. Your thoughts and prayers haven't done anything in the 329 days since Uzziah was shot through his stomach, exiting his spine. Your thoughts and prayers are useless unless you have thought and prayed for legislation that you can help enact that could change this.
0: Now, I know that that's highly political and certainly a complicated issue in terms of faith in the US. So I'm not wading into that. But can you see this disconnect between thoughts and prayers, a profession of our faith and the actions that are required. You see, while we don't have this particular issue here, this phrase, thoughts and prayers, is something that we can too flippantly have our version of. And by showing you this clip, I want to highlight that spiritual platitudes... just not enough. That is faith without works. In this day and age, people don't need our spiritual platitudes. They don't need a flippant, I'm praying for you. They don't need like praying hand emojis on Facebook. They need us to do something. At a minimum, they need us to actually pray for them instead of just saying, I'll be praying for you. And then we'd go on. With whatever we're doing. There is more that we can do than flippant spiritual platitudes. Particularly if we follow the lead of the twoies and we pay attention. And we follow the promptings of the Holy Spirit. And we put ourselves out. Now obviously there are times when all we can do is pray. Troy shared last week that he had to go to the funeral of beautiful Isla last week, a one-week-old baby girl's funeral. And in that week, between the joyous day that she was born, to our friends, through that whole week, where she was devastatingly fighting for life and made it seven days, there was nothing we could do. Nothing we could do other than pray. But that's the exception, isn't it? It's not the rule. Now, I know that I've chosen to illustrate James's words this morning with two very heavy, extreme examples. Taking in homeless youth and fixing the gun crisis in another country two extreme examples, but I hope that they have helped you see what James is talking about in this passage. I hope that it has helped you see this distinction that James is making here. Because for us in our everyday faith, we are probably not going to come up against both of these examples. We're probably not going to have to have these particular demonstrations of our faith. It's going to look very different for us, but the principle is the same. And I don't know what it's going to look like for you. But if we're paying attention, we can see the difference. Instead of just simply saying to someone, I'm so sorry you're going through that, I'll be praying for you. Maybe we can actually stop and pray for them then. And say, what else do you need? Can we bring you food? Can we look after your kids? Can we take you anywhere? Can we, can we run errands? Can we clean your house? What do you need from us? Even in our church, instead of saying, you know, it would be really good if we did A, B, and C, that we actually ask and do whatever we can. We've just spent weeks talking about our gifts, our bit than we bring. To not just say, it would be really good if we did this, how about we actually do our bit and make that happen? Instead of just like saying, oh, that's terrible and moving on with our lives, we actually take some kind of action. Can I challenge you this week to reread James chapter 2 and to ask the Holy Spirit to show you what you need to do, how you can put your faith into action. My prayer for us as a church after reading this chapter is that we do simply not just sit here. Sunday after Sunday, talking about God, singing about God, that we actually do something, live up, live out our faith and that we are a church that is known for what we do, not for what we say. So I want to pray for us right now. And then as Clive comes up and leads us in our final song, I will be at the back if John Bloomfield and John Owens might be out there with me as well, if we can pray for you about anything, whether it's something that has come up in this message this morning, something else that is going on in your life, we would love to pray with you. So now let me pray and then we'll worship God together and finish up our service. Lord, I want to thank you for every single person listening to my voice, whether they are in this room right now, whether they are watching online, or whether they are listening to this, years in the future, we believe, Holy Spirit, that you are still doing a work in us. You have called us as a church to be part of transforming Northwest Sydney. That is going to require us to demonstrate our faith. So, Lord, as we sit here this morning, just give us courage Holy Spirit, help us to be brave and courageous, to not just talk about you, not just talk to you, but be prompted by you to get up and do what you need us to do. Help us to pay attention. Help us to be listening to you, Holy Spirit, and help us to continually put ourselves out for the sake of others. Lord, we thank you and praise you for these words of James. And we thank you in advance for what you're going to continue to show us in the rest of this series. We thank you and praise you now in Jesus' name. Amen.